listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Hey, I want to get right into the Word because I have quite a few things that I want to get to today. So if you want to open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, your Bible is Acts chapter 2. If you have your paper Bible, your phones, you swipe, whatever other witchcraft you got to do to get there, do it. Acts chapter 2. Really? That's how we're going to start off today? Y'all are that serious after that worship? Stop it. Acts chapter 2. I want to talk about biblical community this morning. I want to talk about the gift of community and falling in love with one another. Are you okay with that? That's why we can't start off like that. It's kind of a rough start. So we've been, over the last probably six weeks or so, talking about as a community what God is giving us language for and what we believe God is building into building Him a house. So the areas we want to invite you into as a member of our spiritual family is the altar. Say altar. Table. Say table. And the road. So we spent probably, man, over, it was over 40 days on just altar and talking about the personal altar, ministering to the Lord, our relationship with the Lord in that space. And we want to continue to kind of tease out what the invitation is for us as a community because how many of you know life is not meant to be done alone? Oh, it's weak sauce. Life is not meant to be done alone. If you're doing life alone, you're doing life wrong. And I would go one step further. If you're doing life alone, you have opened yourself up to become dangerously susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. To be taken apart, even, even in, in the natural, right? You see that animal that strays away. It's never the animal at the center of the pack that gets killed. It's always the one that's straggling on the outside. And I believe today that as we open up the Bible and we ask the Lord to help us understand that he would give us grace to fall in love, to see and to give ourselves to one another. I know in our culture, we always want something new, right? We're obsessed with the new thing. It's the new phone, it's the new car, it's the new this, it's the new that. But, but the more I walk with the Lord, I, don't, I really don't, I'm not that interested in something new. I want something that has withheld and withstood time. Something ancient, right? Something that has been passed down. Pastor Tyler was talking about this from generation to generation that we know has weathered some storms. Not a come today, gone tomorrow prophetic word. We love the prophetic. But I'm talking about something that has been passed down from generation to generation to generation that has withstood the test and all the attacks of the enemy. So I've been asking the Lord, as, as a community, God, would you take us back? Would we not always obsess with having to have a new word? How about we just do this word? Seriously. How about instead of obsessing about the new shiny thing, we ask God to help us not become so familiar with the gift he has given us that we don't engage with it in the way he is asking us to. So I want to pray as we open up Acts 2, because I know we've read this, man. We're the Pentecostal church. We read Acts 2 every six weeks, and we get excited about it. But I want to not just get excited. I want to ask God's grace to step into it. Amen? So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is living, it is active, it is alive. It, it, it changes things, it rewires us, it transforms us, it washes us. So Father, right now we ask as we open up your word for this next little bit, would you help us? Holy Spirit, we need your help. We need your help to do this the way you have called us to do it. Break off the funk, break off the isolation, break off all of the things that hinder us from pursuing you and loving you and one another with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. amen. Acts chapter 2, this is the beginning and the birth of the church. 
where Jesus has died, he has ascended, and there are a group of people that are waiting. They are waiting on the promise where Jesus says, wait upon me and the promise will come. And so you see they're in an upper room. We read this every Pentecost Sunday and beyond, right? The Holy Spirit comes, there's tongues of fire, there's tongues released, and there is this power encounter that happens with the early church that ignites a movement that, that has caused us to be here today. We're not here today by happenstance because we've got nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. We're here because we believe that the Holy Spirit touched a group of people and that snowball is still rolling. That the, the gospel of the kingdom of God is still pushing forward and it is pushing back darkness and principalities. It's healing families. It's healing marriages. It's restoring our children back to life. Are you alive? The gospel is still alive, but the gospel is not made to live in isolation. So I would say this, man, probably for most of us, 90% of our Christian lives are lived in rows staring at the back of somebody else's head. Now we're in a unique situation because we have circle church. So in a normal church, you really would be in rows with one guy standing. And it's even unique the way God has set us up because it forces us to see one another. Nobody can hide. Everybody's open. Everybody's seen. The stage is a step forward. We're all ministering to the Lord together. But even in the midst of that, I believe there's an invitation for something deeper. And the Bible shows us that out of a power encounter in Acts chapter 2, something was birthed. Say birthed. Something was birthed. And I believe it's not just a historical reference point. It is a blueprint for how God wants his family. I don't want to say church. His family to operate. Because when you hear the word church, that word church comes with a lot of connotations. You've all come from different backgrounds, different experiences, some good, some bad, amen? But when we talk about family, some family's something different. And I know even when I use that word, some of you are like, oh, because you have all of these expectations around family. But let's just believe God for just a moment to remove all of the garbage that hinders us to just approach the scriptures with new life and say, God, would you do it again? So let's open up. Acts 2, I want you to go to verse 40, 41. So then those had received his words were baptized. The words of Peter. Peter gets up, preaches the message, and something happens. And that day there were about 3,000 added, souls added. Verse 42. Out of this experience, they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place throughout the apostles. And all the believers, say all. all. All the believers were together and had all things in common. They would sell their properties and possessions and share them with all to the extent every, no anyone had need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So you see that out of this power encounter in an upper room, what is birth is a community of people that are doing life different. I know we read this scripture and it's like, man, that's just crazy. We're so busy. But listen, people were busy 2,000 years ago. Busy's busy. There's always going to be something to do. Are you alive? But even today, I think we've got to start asking the question, how do we get back to the original template that God gave us for the church? And it beckons the question, and this is the question I would pose to you today. Who really knows you? 
Not just talking about your spouse. I know you got to get that right. But beyond that relationship, that marriage, that family component, who in your life really knows you? What's going on on the inside, the things you're navigating, the things you're walking through, the mountain high moments, the valley low moments, because I believe that at a core level, we are made to be known. Say known. I want you to understand this this morning. If you're like, man, what's the purpose? What is the gift of biblical community? It is that you are called to be a part of a fellowship where you are known. Now, this known, being known, is not just on the church because all of a sudden when we hear family language and component, we say, well, shouldn't the church set up a program for me to get into family? I'm not sure. I'm not sure that the Bible requires a structure to facilitate kingdom family for you. I believe there has to be an understanding, a longing, and a knowing that I'm not called to do life in isolation. You double-click that one step further down, I would submit to you that isolation is spiritual suicide. That for you to live your life isolated from everybody else, whether you have been wounded or not, and you have all of the reasons why you have shut everybody else out, and it could just be me and my little few and nobody else. I could binge watch TV shows, I could do my thing, and I'll just go about life. It'll just be me and Jesus. That's, that's cool and fine, except that's not what the Bible tells us to do. If the Bible says it could be just you, Jesus, and no more, that'd be one thing. But according to the Bible, there are 59 one another's just in the New Testament. 59. 59 one another commandments, not suggestions, commandments, which means it means something to God the way we do this. That's why it's not just enough for us to build an altar and tell everybody, come minister to Jesus in the altar. That ministry to Jesus at the altar should flow this way also. It should create in us a tenderness, a wanting to actually step into people's problems and not disassociate because it's messy. Be willing to have the difficult conversations and keep love at the center. And not, we're not worried about who's right or who's wrong. We want to fix what's broken. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's, it's a different way of life that affects us. It affects us physically, emotionally, spiritually. What did it mean for these people that all of a sudden they hear a message by Peter and all of a sudden, day by day, they've got a new rhythm? I don't know what their rhythm looked like before the upper room moment, but after the upper room moment happened, day by day, they were meeting together. There was a longing and a desire to be known, to be together. All of a sudden, I don't know who was the first one, people started selling their houses. They didn't view their need as separate from their brother's need. All of a sudden, they're like, no, their need is my need and my need is their need. Like, this is the biblical gift that God has given us. It should not, I want to say, it should not be a yoke. I'm not telling you right now, if you're not doing this, this, and this, you're not doing life right. What I'm saying is there is an invitation for us by the Holy Spirit to recognize that each other, we are a gift. It may not always feel like a gift. Amen. But at a core level, we've got to be known by some. And Jesus gives us this as an example. Jesus could have come in any which way he wanted to come. Jesus could have come. He could have established a throne. He could have forced everybody to bow. He could have come in power, but he came in meekness. And he found himself, after 30 years of obscurity, he found himself a few people, and he started doing life on life with them. I don't know what, what, what it was about Jesus that caused tax collectors to leave booths 
and fishermen to leave nets. But all, all I can surmise is they knew that they were known by him. They felt seen, they felt accepted, they felt known. And for us as a spiritual family, I love the vibrancy of the house. I love the worship. I love the prophetic narrative, the dreams. But according to 1 Corinthians, all of that is just the sound of a gong if we have not love. You hear what I'm saying? Doesn't matter how prophetically accurate you are. Doesn't matter how many words of knowledge you can give. Doesn't even matter if you can lay hands and heal the sick. If you have not love in your heart or you have ought with your brother, there is a step forward that God is asking us to take today. And saying, God, I, I recognize I've been hurt. I've been let down. Because how many of you know people are going to let you down? Man, people are people. And man are, that's why we can't put our confidence in man. We can't put our confidence in a pastor, in a leader, in a ministry. Our confidence is in Jesus and his leadership. Knowing that we, we all have, that's why the Bible says, make allowances for one another's faults. Why would the Bible say that if we were never going to run against some faults? Right? But for, for some reason, because we have a church every quarter mile, when we get the ounce of offense, we're like, well, we'll just take our little $20 down the road and we'll just go do our thing. And it has robbed us of the gift of family where it's like, actually, no, wait a second. God called me here. I mean, that would be the first question I would ask you as a part of our community. Did God call you? Because if God called you to a family, you don't get to just walk away. Right? I don't get like when my kid does something, I'm not like, hey, bro, kick rocks. Sorry. We'll try again. It's family. Right? Like we go through things with our kids. My, a couple weeks ago, my, my daughter, Sayla, was having a meltdown. Something had happened, and I sit with her, and I'm like, hey, listen. I'm sitting with her right over there. I'm like, it's going to be a good day. Say it with me. She's like, I don't want to say it. I'm like, just say it. She's like, it's going to be a good day. I'm like, what's the problem? She's like, I'm saying it on the outside, but I don't feel it on the inside. That's what she said to me. I'm like, wow, that is life. <laughs> right? Like sometimes you just, you're saying it on the outside. You don't feel it on the inside. But the point is we need one another. Sometimes you just need somebody to look you in the eye and say, hey, I know it feels bad, but it's not as bad as it feels. Just, just stand up. Let me stand with you and let's walk this thing out together. But, but I'm seeing a trend, right, in the church today where we are not giving ourselves to family. Now, I'm going to be honest, man. I've been, I've been blessed. I feel like in my life, I've got people in my circle that have been walking with me since 2008. I know that's uncommon. That's not normal. But the longer I walk, the more that I realize that this is God's gift to me. That God is weaving families together. And he is calling us not only to build our lives, but to build the Lord a house together. And to not build isolated. We live in a time where people actually... I'm be honest, I run across people I've never seen in my life and they're like, hey, you guys are my church. I'm like, I've never seen you. Like, what, what do you mean by church? Because listening to a message 30 miles away but never interacting with the body of Christ, that's not church. Being a part of a family means you're present, you're active, you are a contributor. You're, even if it's just worshiping in the environment, you're here, you're vibrant, you're a part. And this is what God, when we say, man, what do we mean by table? We believe that God is setting a table and he's inviting all of us to the table to do life on life with one another. How many of you were here last week when Corey Russell spoke? Corey Russell hit a vein that I just want to touch on one more moment. Where in James 5, he says this, confess your sins to one another so that healing may come for the prayer of the righteous availeth much versions say different things but says some versions say this have wonderful effect 
So it's interesting that God would connect the healing of my soul and my heart to my ability to confess to somebody in vulnerability my brokenness. And I know this is anti-countercultural because in our world, all we want to do is be strong. And for me to be strong, I can't really acknowledge that I'm weak or that I'm struggling or that I have issues. So what am I going to do? I'm going to be transparent. Transparency can take me to one point, right? I'm going to be transparent with you, but not to the point of vulnerability because when I'm vulnerable with you, it means you could actually hurt me. It's different. I can be transparent and let you know, how's it going? I'm having a crappy day. That's transparency. Day's not going. It's crappy. But when I'm telling you why my day's not going well and what I'm feeling in my soul, now I have opened my heart to you and I'm worried about your response. And what's crippling us in the body of Christ is actually not fear of God. It's fear of man. It's even after recognizing that according to the verse, which is, should be on the screen, according to the verse, God has attached the healing of my heart to my ability to confess with my mouth what's happening in my soul. That I would actually have a few people in my life that I would trust enough to tell them what's going on and submit and humble myself enough to say, not only am I struggling, now I'm going to need you to lay hands on me. And I'm going to need you to pray for me. And listen, God is setting the lonely in family. It's not a select anointed few. For all people that feel on the outside of what God is doing, he is calling us into family. And it's not going to look the way you thought it was going to look. It probably won't be the people you choose. Many times, man, when people are like, oh, Gio's talking about family. Here we go. Well, I'm going to choose Tyler, Gio, and Marcus. Build family. Listen, there are people in this room that would be 20,000 times better for you than me. Lewis knows it. <laughs> that, was, that was deep agreement, bro. We got a meeting set up soon. <laughs> deep agreement. But seriously, when, when we over-spiritualize leadership in a church, we miss out on the gift of one another. We miss out on the beauty. Listen, I'll never forget praying for a spiritual father for years and being at Panera and seeing Len Harper walk out of the car with his little New Balance shoes and his glasses. I'm like, this guy's not the one. He gets out and he's doing this in the sun. And I'm like, I just don't know, bro. Like, I just don't. But I'll never forget the moment we sat at Panera saying to my father-in-law, I just want someone who would lay hands on me. And midway through the conversation at Panera, he stops the conversation and reaches across the table and lays his hands over me for 20 minutes and prays and prophesies that I'm crying by the fountain machine because we need people. It's not just fathers and mothers, it's brothers and sisters. We need people. If you just leave today and you would just begin to pray, God, show me the two or three people that I'm to lock arms with and not let go. Not allow offense, bitterness, envy, strife, the human flesh that we all deal with. Some of you have been cycling friends every three months for the past 10 years. It's time to just sink your feet in and refuse to relent giving yourself to one another, to make allowances for each other's faults, to have grace, and to continue to fight for what God has given us. I'm on room in numeral one. Help me, Lord. But I do want to talk about this word because the word fellowship here is, is a deeply spiritual word. You've maybe heard the word koinonia before. 
where this word, that it, it's actually a very powerful, powerful, intentional devotion to one another. It's actually a refusing, like it's a refusing to let go. It's a conviction at a soul level that no matter what happens, come what may, I'm going to choose to remain. Listen, I want to say to you, if you're in this room and you think that it could just be you, Jesus, or you, Jesus, and your wife, there is an aspect of God that is reserved for those who are in fellowship. Meaning there are places in God you can never go just you on your own. The Munoz family is great. We can have amazing times with God at home, me, my three kids, and my wife, but there is a depth in God that I can go when it's me, the Burns, and another family. There are places because God has actually wrapped himself, a revelation of, of himself in your brother and sister that you don't think you have time for. So, so it's going to require from us, are you hearing what I'm saying? It's going to require from us a few things, right? It's going to require some humility. Say humility. humility. Spiritual arrogance says, I don't need anyone. It says, I, it's actually one of the key indicators of a lukewarm church is I, I have everything I need. I'm in need of nothing. It's the road to lukewarmness. It's my four and no more. And then you feel like I'm just, I don't feel like I'm getting fed at this church and like I'm tired of singing that song. And I'm, it's like, well, we're not singing you songs, number one. And number two, there is a place in God in maturation that you cannot go without others. If your schedule's too busy to be able to do life with others, it's like we've got to reevaluate the schedule. We've got to begin to ask the right questions to produce the right results. God's not withholding from you. He's not, with, he's, he's not bypassed you. He's waiting for you to come to the table and to engage. It doesn't have to be hyper-spiritual every time you come to the table. Right? Every time you come to the table, it doesn't have to be shaka baba and boom. Sometimes we just cut, we had a men's breakfast yesterday and we were just connecting. We went to Fred's. We ate way too much food. We had to repent afterwards. But we were just talking with one another and connecting. And guys were just sharing, right? Greg was, Greg was there and Greg was like, hey, listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Put all the spirituality stuff on the side. If I can't be at a table where people aren't going to be honest, I don't want to be at the table. Right? And what he's communicating is something that we've been dealing with in the church for, for many, many years. Where we come to the table and we put on a facade because we feel like we can't bring our real self and the question is, if you can't bring your real self to the table, do you really want to be at the table? It's the question that has to be resolved. Is when God builds a table and he asks us to bring our real self to the table, and we bring our real self to the table, and then we begin to receive judgment and all of these things, we have to begin to ask, are we sitting at the right table? Some of us, we have interjected ourselves into tables because we think that it brings some kind of significance. You're not graced for that table. For some of you, God has changed the table. God changes seasons. He changes relationships. And you're fighting for something that God's not, his grace isn't honored anymore. And it's actually killing you. Because God is always changing. He's a God who's shifting. And what I'm praying is that God would give us grace to shift with him. Say shift. I want to read 1 Corinthians 12. Let's go there really quick. If you want to turn quick, 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 quick. 1 Corinthians 12. I want to read it. I'm going to actually read it. And it's going to be good for you because it's the Bible, right? 
We can read more than four verses in church. Can we do that still? Is that okay? Verse 14, 1 Corinthians 12, 14, for the human body does not consist of one part, but many parts. If the foot says, because I am not the hand, I'm not part of the body, it is not contrary and still part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body, is it not contrary that it is still part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed and arranged the part in the body. Let's stop for a second. God has placed and he has arranged you. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? It's not your job to place you or arrange yourself. God places and God arranges. He sets the table. He arranges the parts in the body, each one of them, just as he willed and saw fit. If they were all one single organ, where would the rest of the body be? But now there are many parts, but one single body. The eye cannot say cannot. I wanted, man, this is important for today. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need. But quite the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are absolutely necessary. I want to say that to you this morning. I know in church culture, you think those who seem more anointed are the most needed, but that's not what the Bible says. According to 1 Corinthians 12, those who are weak are absolutely necessary to the body. I just want to say, if you feel weak in your faith, like you don't get it, the Bible says we need you. You are a necessity to our family. God sets in family. He arranges. We don't all know how to read the right way. We're all not super anointed, super apostle, this, blah, blah, blah. But when we come to the table, God sets, God arranges and those who are weak are necessary. You're necessary to God's body. Thank you, Katie. And as for those parts of the body which we consider less honorable, these we treat with great honor. And our less presentable parts are treated with great, greater modesty. While our more presentable parts do not require it, but God has combined the whole body, giving greater honor to that part which lacks it, so that there would be no division or discord in the body but that the many parts have the same concern for one another. Verse 26, if one member suffers, all parts share the suffering. If one member is honored, all rejoice with it. Now you collectively are Christ's body. Individually, you are members of it. So God has appointed in place apostles. And he, but, but, but listen to the language that God is giving us here. That no matter where you come from, no matter what kind of dysfunction, no matter how long you've been gone from God, no matter if this is your first Sunday back and you feel like, I don't even know if I'm coming back ever again. God is saying to, to you today, you are necessary for the family. Not because of your anointing, not because of your gifting, not because of something you bring, just because you belong. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? Like there's a sense even today where God wants to baptize our hearts with understanding that God is setting us in family. And he's wanting us to move away from the isolation. It's like, man, when we pass away, when we get to the end, let me say it this way. We've, we've, we've buried many people now, many times whenever people are at the end of their life, they will ask me to come to the bedside to pray with them. I've never been on the bedside of somebody who's about to pass away who said, man, I really wish I would have worked more. 
Never in my life have I sat on a bedside and heard somebody say, I really wish I would have, I would have done this, this, and that. It was always the same. I should have spent more time with my family. I should, have, I should have followed and gone on that God dream, that God adventure. And listen, the routine and the mundaneness of life will keep you trapped from going on the adventure with God that is not meant for just you, but everybody around you. I would today that we would get into our minds that God wants more for us than for us just to go through the routine of a two-hour service on a Sunday, but then go our own ways. I want to read to you. I want to read this to you. There are 59 one another's that are instructed to us at the church. I want to read them to you. The Bible calls us to serve one another, to accept one another, to strengthen one another, to help one another. You already disengage. Just so you get a mental clarity. All New Testament, encourage, to care, to forgive, to submit, to commit, to build trust, to be devoted, to be patient, to be interested, to be accountable, to confess to one another, to live in harmony, to not be conceited, to not pass judgment, do not slander, do not, to instruct one another, to greet, to admonish, to spur on, to meet one another, to agree with one another, to be concerned to be humble with one another, be of the same mind, be compassionate, do not be consumed with the lust of the world, but give yourself to one another. What's the point? There's like 30 more. There's absolutely no way that we can accomplish these 59 things with a two-hour service on a Sunday morning. There's just no way. And again, we could categorize that under suggestions, but the Bible makes it clear they're not suggestions, they're commandments. One of the missing components, I feel like, man, we could have all the oil, all, we could have all the gas in the world, all the prophetic, all of the things, but actually the oil that keeps the engine going is going to be relationships. It's why we have house churches, right? The point of house churches is not how many house churches can we get. The point of house churches is can we get you to fall in love with one another and begin to do things outside of house church night. To be able to like step into moments like when your parents are passing away or when you're in financial lack, right? We, we have a, a couple that's here, a part of our church now. They were just in Puerto Rico. And as they were in Puerto Rico on a cruise, they were talking to somebody. They found out that the person they were talking to was a believer. The believer is a part of a church. The church is in need. Right there on the spot, they prayed with their wife. They bought tickets to go back in February to serve that church. You're like, man, that sounds crazy. No, it sounds like Bible. It sounds like the Bible. The problem is we have become so consumed by this age that normal biblical commandments sound extreme. Normal New Testament Christianity, right? Where like I'm actually forced to share with my brother my problem. Right? Like, like this is how this is, plays out. Like when I have an intense fellowship with my wife, right? We don't fight. You know this about us now. But we have these moments of intense fellowships where actually, after I repent to my wife, typically I talk to God and then God talks to me, you should repent to your wife. After I talk to my wife, guess what? Now I need to go talk to Tyler. And I need to say to Tyler, hey man, like actually I didn't talk to my wife the right way. They're like, why would I need to do all that? Because that's the biblical commandment that will keep me from the next time I'm about to talk to my wife. It's actually like this is good because God wants me to repent and to make things right. 
But the grace that keeps me from doing it again is actually going to be here. Do you hear what I'm saying? Like, we're missing this. You can do this all day and repent. But the grace and the healing that keeps me from going back is in my confession to my brother. It sounds petty, but that's the way God wired it to be. We don't get to choose the way the Bible makes things go. The grace of God that releases and keeps me from sinning is in my confession. This isn't for us to know everything about everybody. I'm not saying come to me. I don't want to know. Find somebody. You tell me, then you think I'm preaching about you every Sunday. Find two or three people that God has called you to do life with, to trust, and go deep with those people and watch how you will go deep with God. Like, I just don't feel, I, I really believe this. I have found in my life, when I go deep relationally, it will affect how deep I go in the Word. I'm telling you, this is the key that God is giving us right now. Like, I just don't understand the Bible. Get two or three people around you and open up the Bible and watch how that thing opens up. Seriously. Get in groups of people. Life is meant to be lived in circles, not rows. I love this. I think God uses this. We were going to do this. We're going to do more of this next year. God's going to continue to add to the family. It's going to get bigger. It's going to be grand. But if this doesn't translate to you knowing people and being known by people, this can really quickly become irrelevant. I'm telling you. Like, let's hear the invitation by God. Some of you in the room, you've been hurt by people in church. And like, I just want to say, join the club. The nature of being hurt by people in church is just like you get hurt by people in the world. People are people. The, the beauty of our relationship with people in the kingdom is God has given us grace to reconcile. It's called the ministry of reconciliation. Where God breathes on us as we humbly come to one another, even when it seems petty. I'm going to say this, man. Like, we've got to start with owning, Right? Maybe you'll have Tyler teach on biblical confessional lifestyle because some people just got it all jacked up. The point of going to confess to somebody is not to tell them your problem with them. It's actually to confess your fault. But God is healing us in the realm of biblical community and he is calling us into fellowship with one another. To see one another. And I'm telling you, there is life, there is vibrancy, and there is freedom in understanding that God has set me in family. And in family, I don't just get to walk away. So it's going to require humility. It's going to require vulnerability. And it's going to require intentionality. I'll say it again. Humility. It's going to require intentionality. It's going to require vulnerability. It's going to be awkward, bro. It's going to be, it's going to be awkward to share those things that you have kept hidden for so long. And you're like, but I've come to the altar, and I've, and I've confessed it to God. That's cool, and that's great. That's a good first start. Biblical maturity, biblical maturity goes one step further. Who are you walking with? Biblical church calls us to go from rows into circles and to ask God, God, I want you to breathe on this thing. Let me see if there's anything else I want to say. I want to, I want to kind of land with this thought is in, in a culture that values independence, the culture of the kingdom actually is primary pursuit is interdependence. 
We're, we were wired for independence. I don't need nobody. I'm going to do my thing. I've got my degrees. I've got, but, but the Bible requires us to live interdependently. Meaning independence says I need no one. In, interdependence says I need you. It's a confession. I need you. I can't do this alone. I, I need you in my life. It's going to require to pick up the phone even when it feels like, hey, I feel like I'm annoying that person. Right? Like to pick up the phone and just make that phone call, to, to, to do that coffee. But even more than that, one of the things that I felt today that I just I wanted to put before us is this. There are some relationships that we just walked away from. Like there, there are God, like I believe like Jonathan and David, that God gives us covenant friendships. They are friendships that are to span over decades that you guys are to build history with God together. And I felt like God, even today, he was, even if it was just a few people, like it's time for you to pick up the phone. It's not about who's right or wrong. It's about fixing what's wrong, right? It's not, look, well, look I, they don't deserve that phone call. Says who? Like there's actually, some of us, I felt like we've been stalled spiritually, because we have not been willing to be humble and willing to just pick up the phone and say, hey, can we just grab coffee? And guess what? When we, when we go to coffee, we don't come with the case we have built against them. We come with a broken heart saying, hey, listen, I miss you, and I'm so sorry for what happened. I can't tell you how many times I've been in that office upstairs. I mean, I'll never forget a time where it was on a Sunday morning, man. Like, we were having this moment, and Tyler pulled me and Marcus up to the office, and he just began to confess some things that he knew weren't even really real, but he just wanted to disempower the enemy. Bro, you have been empowering the enemy because of your fear of man. Allowing that confession to go forward actually removes the weapons of the enemy that have been that have been targeting you and have been dismantling you and your purposes to God. And I was stunned by that. He shared with me upstairs, and I'm like, I don't know what to say to that. Then he's like, I don't want you to say anything. I want you to pray over me. And he just put his head down. I'm like, this is freaking wild. And then you realize, actually, no, that's, that's the Bible. It's wild because we just don't do it. Like, we only, we only get together with people who have the same interests, and if they don't have the same interest, we're not interested. And then the moment it becomes uncomfortable for us, it's like, I'm going my own way. Seriously. And then, and then we're doing life and we're, and we're using, here's the reason that the family language has become so almost like in the church is because we're not doing it. Family language isn't bad in church. It's bad in church because it hasn't been demonstrated. And it doesn't take a ministry. So here's what's not going to happen. We're not going to roll out a 2024 initiative for family. Here's our abide initiative for family. My initiative for this is to say to us today, like, man, I wonder today, as you're looking across the room, if you know somebody across the room. Like, if there's anybody who really knows what's going on in your life. Like, have you ever been with somebody and you're like, hey, do you notice something different? And you're like, crap, you already know. If somebody asks you, do you notice anything different? Like if my wife says, do you notice anything different? I'm already too late. <laughs> like, dang it. You already feel like it's sinking. You're like, I should have known. Like, let's not get to that moment in our lives 
where we're in absolute disarray and our lives are falling apart to pick up the phone and then try to reverse engineer something when God is saying right now, hey, find your three or four, right? Jesus had three. Jesus had 12. Jesus had 70. And I didn't see him apologizing. I didn't see him coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration and saying sorry to the other 12. He just took his few up. Because there are levels of relationship, and I feel like in the church we don't talk about this. Like nobody's asking you, hey, listen, when was the last time you had a real conversation where you opened up your soul to somebody to the point where you didn't know how they were going to respond? I'm not saying you dumping on people, and I'm not, what I'm saying is there is a felt need on the inside of us. Even as I'm sharing this right now, I feel the tension in the room. Because it would be easier for us to say, hey, listen, we're going to do small groups. We're going to have small group leaders. You're going to do a John Brevere thing, and that's how you're going to get community and accept that's not going to call you to be known. Poor John Bevere. He always gets the short end of the stick. I love John. Yeah. But the point is this. If every part of your spirituality is being governed by church, you're going to get bottlenecked. Because you're not a disciple of the church, you're a disciple of Jesus. And Jesus sent a really clear model for us. He got along with the Father, and he was with his disciples. So let's say that Jesus was with his disciples for 12 hours a day for three years. That means that Jesus was with them roughly 13,000 hours. After 13,000 hours with Jesus, how many of you know they still had some major gaps? After 13,000 hours, none of them were at the cross but one. It's like, whoa. That's a big time investment. That's a little ROI. The point is this, like, we, we need, we need one another. And I even felt like today God wanted to heal some of our hearts from some of, the, some of these past wounds. I don't know how to describe it except, like, man, you've been hooked by bitterness. You've been hooked by discouragement and actually like God is, is trying to set you into new circles or maybe heal your old circles. I'm not, I'm not prophesying anything to anybody. I'm just saying you have withheld and you've closed off your heart. And to think that you could close off your heart to people and did not affect your relationship with God, you are, you are mistaken. The great commandment was this, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then what? Love? Love one another. We're called, I feel like 2024 is going to be a powerful year of road for us. I believe we're going to see more people come to Jesus in this building than we have ever seen before. I really, we're going to make room, we're going to expand. But listen, if we don't have a capacity to receive people into our family, we're doing no different than AMC. People come in, they're entertained, and they go right back out and live the same. We're just doing a disservice by not charging $25 a person. <laughs> but when people come in, they should not only be, I love this about us. When people come to this building, the main thing we hear is we know God is there. That's what we hear all the time. God's in the building. But, but, but what I'm praying for us is that we go from, man, I know that God's in the building to, man, I see God in Covington. Like it's not just on Sunday morning. It's not just on Sunday morning whenever I'm having that moment and the bands, but like when I'm with him, I just, I see Jesus. We had a powerful, powerful time on fire on, how many of you were at fire on the altar? Fire on the altar weekend was beautiful. Good, there was five of you there. That's great. 
Maybe another five on this side. We were coming back from the burn that night, and uh, he was taking me home. And we were talking on the way home, and we were just talking about the last year, what God has done. 2023 has been a freaking weird year. Is this just me? No, okay, it's just me. Great. That's good. You guys can pray for me at the end. So we were talking about 2023, and he had made this statement. He said this. He's like, man, I feel like in 2023, it was like, it was just death. And if you know, sometimes you just go through seasons where it just feels like things are dying. It's a pruning. It's difficult. And so there were a lot of powerful moments that happened during Fire on the Altar. But the most powerful moment for me during that whole weekend was when Tory Harper was ministering and he began to prophesy over Covington. How many of you remember this? And the word that he gave Cove was about Lazarus. I see you coming out of a season of death. Now, when he said it, I started crying because I'm like, I was in that Jeep last night where he was saying, there's no way that joker knew about that. It could only be God. And then all of a sudden, the, the room erupts. But, but listen, the reason that it touches me at a heart level is because I know him. It's not just because it was a cute prophetic word, but because I know, like I, I've walked through measures of that death with him. So when he receives that prophetic word about God bringing life, you mourn with those who mourn and you rejoice with those who rejoice. Everybody, I just, I, I started crying. Because listen, even in the story of Lazarus, right? Jesus says, Lazarus will not die. This will not end in death. Lazarus dies. If I'm a disciple, I'm like, hey, Jesus, bro, what about the whole dying thing? Remember, like, Jesus takes his time, John 11. He's taking his time. He shows up. Lazarus is dead. He's in the tomb. Everybody's crying. And, and like, if I'm the disciple, I'm like, I don't want to be the guy to question Jesus, but maybe Jesus missed this one. Jesus speaks into the grave. He calls Lazarus forth. That which is dead now comes back to life. But yet still, Jesus speaks to those around him to unwrap him and to release him. You hear me? Many of you, you've been in the room. God has spoken over you. There is life, but you are bound. Because while Jesus speaks life, he uses those around you to unwrap you and release you. I'm telling you, why else? Jesus could have walked right up to him and done it himself, but he spoke to those around him to unwrap him and to release him. And some of you are bound and it's not a demon. You don't need another sozo. We're not against any of those things. Bro, you just, you need a friend. I'm serious. And to look around and say, there's nobody. That's crazy. Yo, that's crazy. There ain't one person in this room that wants to be your friend. I'll be your friend. If you can't find one. But what I'm saying is, like, sometimes we just, we want to pick and we want to choose but according to the Bible, that's why I read 1 Corinthians 12, God sets, God establishes. That person that you feel rubs you the wrong way is probably exactly what you need. It's like, it's, it's iron sharp. Have you seen iron sharpening iron? Do you understand the reference? It's not comfortable. It's not like a massage at a parlor. It's like, God, that sucks. But yet you know that, like, that's God's process. Get along with Jesus in the prayer room. Let it be heavenly glory. Get along with your brother. Let it be freaking uncomfortable. 
go there with them and uh, like stop avoiding. You know that person you avoid all the time? Like the, you, there's an octagon here so you could actually like walk across the octagon the opposite way. Stop. And, and allow God to set and to establish and allow those people to unwrap you and to release you. You can't, here's the, maybe the last thing I'm going to say for real is you can't be this person for everybody. There are some of you in this room that like the Savior syndrome will drive you into the ground. You have to ask God, who are my people? And when God speaks to you, those people, be unapologetic about it. You don't have to apologize for the people God has put into your life. And guess what? God changes those things, but, but the point is this. I have my people. I have asked God. I can't be all things to all people all the time. I'm not going to spend all of my life fixing everybody else's problems, but I will give myself to those that God has called me to. And we'll get in the trenches with those people. We'll go mountain high. We'll celebrate with those people. But the point is, I have a people. And just like Lazarus, man, if you're in this room, and it was really the last story that I felt, it was the last, it was the last thing that I wrote, is I felt like there's an unwrapping, like a releasing, right? Those who are unwrapped, they're, they need to be unwrapped because they're bound. Those who need to be released, you need to be released because you're captive. I don't know what you're bound to, and I don't know what the captivity is, but I feel like today in a room full, like, in a room full of people like this, it would be absurd to, 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 to not know that there are people who just feel alone. Who just feel like, I, I don't think anybody really cares. We were at a burn not a few weeks ago, and this just shows you the intentionality of God. We were doing this Zoom, and we were talking about the burn, and the, the young girl, the last thing that was said in, in the Zoom call was this, I keep hearing these wedding bells that are ringing. And honestly, when she said it, everybody was like, cool story, wedding bells, that's great. Wedding bells, like the Lord and the marriage supper of the Lamb and all of these things. And so we get into the 24-hour burn. We're actually in Sarasota, and the worship's going great. And all of a sudden, the worship team switches from, from what they were doing into like a prophetic moment. And, and destiny starts to sing, I could hear the wedding bells. I hear the bells. And I got so emotional again because I was like, she wasn't on that Zoom. She had no idea. So we start singing about these bells, and all of a sudden, what, what was a corporate moment with hundreds of people in the room became very individual. Destiny began to prophesy from the mic. She said, hey, listen, there's somebody in the room that you have felt alone, and you've been contemplating suicide. Now, it's not like one of those hurrah words. It's quiet. It's like, oh, that's awkward. And then it's like, no, actually, you weren't contemplating suicide. You tried to kill yourself. And you're in this room right now, and God wants you to know he sees you. And you are known by him. Little did we know when we got done with that service I ministered, we got done. There was a kid in the room who was a part of YWAM who had been hit with immense depression. And maybe six, eight days earlier, jumped out of the fifth story of a building to kill himself. Yet in that moment when we're doing the corporate thing, God makes it individual because he doesn't want anybody to be left alone. Think about, think about that. Hundreds of people in the room, he stops the whole thing for one person. 
that walked into the room limping, discouraged, not wanting to be in the room, yet God stops everything to let him know, hey, I see you. I haven't forgotten about you. Even in your mess, I'm there. So I feel like even today, there are those of you in the room that you've been through emotional turmoil. You've been alone. You've been discouraged. And I want to pray over you today. I know that there was a lot of things said, a lot of things going on. But, but what I'm praying is for emotional healing. Because to come to the table, you've got to be whole. You've got to believe you belong at the table. You've got you to start with the Lord. So can we just bow our heads for just a moment? I just want to pray over us. Father, I thank you for grace. God, I thank you that you, you set us in family. God, I pray for those now in this room that have felt isolated, have felt alone, have felt bypassed. It's been years, maybe months. You've shifted. You've made life decisions. You've moved your life. And you feel like, man, this last even year has been so incredibly difficult. I just feel like today God would want you to know he sees you. And he is setting you in family. He's speaking to that pain and he wants to bring healing and he's going to bring some people around you that can lift up your arms, lift up your head and stand. So here's the vulnerable, humble moment that we were talking about. If you're in the room and you're like, man, I just, I need prayer. I have been dealing with that and I want to accept the Lord's invitation to the table today. At least start to make my way back. Would you just raise a hand wherever you're at? Just all across the room. Just keep it up. We're going to pray actually over you right now. Can I get some of my, my, my leaders to just move across? You could just stay where you are. Because I just wanted to just be a moment with you and the Lord. They're just going to pray with you. You really, you really don't have to do anything. I just, I want you to just be still and just allow the Lord you know, we get hard from all of the dis disappointments and all of the painful moments. Our hearts can become callous. And sometimes we just need to let the Lord tenderize our hearts and to bring healing, to, f to even feel. I feel like there's some you haven't even, you haven't been able to feel in so long. It's like you're emotionally boxed up. And God, I pray for those right now in this room that have felt alone, Maybe they've moved their whole lives and they've shifted. God, I pray for grace this morning to be able to trust again. For those even that maybe you've been snatched out of a place and into a new one, God, we pray for grace for the transition, for the changing of season. Holy Spirit, we ask you even now to come. 
we invite you, Holy Spirit, to come in to tenderize our hearts, to help us to feel, to dream. Come, come. We need you to help us Can we just all across the room just pray? We've got a few minutes. Can you just pray for these now? You can pray in the Spirit. Let's just begin to ask the Lord for just a moment, a couple of minutes. God, would you help us to see, to love, to feel, to let go of, of any offense, of any pain? Father, we ask for hope to rise in every heart. God, give us eyes to see those you have called us to love and to walk with. Bring encouragement to the soul this morning. God, for those that walked into the room with all kinds of things happening in life, God, bring encouragement to their soul. Strengthen them on the inside. Break off discouragement and disappointment. thing I want to pray for is I feel like there are those in the room that it's been a difficult season for dreaming like life has been so difficult you, you've had the inability to dream and look forward with God and I felt like today to just pray 
pray, but if there's anybody else who's had trouble with dreaming, would you guys stand? If there's anybody else that has been in that place where it's been difficult to dream or to look forward, would you just stand? It doesn't have to be everybody, but I just really want to pray over here. Can I get a few, a few others? We just want to pray for, for God, for God's grace to dream. Can I get some of my leaders? I want everybody with somebody. Just pray. We pray for a releasing of the Word of God. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, God, would you release fresh dreams and desires. We thank you, God, that you see, you hear. And God, even now, we pray for dreams, visions, and visitations. We pray for fresh encounters. God, we ask that you lift off every bit of discouragement and disappointment, God, from people, from situations and circumstances, God. For grace to dream, for grace to trust. We thank you for the prophetic narrative, God. We thank you for the calling, for the anointing, for the words you have spoken that are alive. We ask for a blowing of the wind of God. Even now, over every destiny, every life, every family, God, let there be fresh wind in their time with you, in their secret place, in their ministries, God. We ask for the wind of God to blow. We open up our heart, our minds, to be able to receive fresh grace. Take us back. Would you blow on these bones? We ask for a shifting of seasons even in the room. God, would you thrust us out of the seasons of lack, of closed doors? God, would you open doors? Would you open up the windows of heaven? Would you rain down? Let there be fresh vibrancy and energy in our spiritual walks, God. Let there be burning passion where there's been a waning. Can we just, just lift up your hands? We just want to ask the Lord real quick and we'll end here. Father, we want to dream with you and we want, we want everything you have for us. So God, we open up our hands, we open up our lives. We open up our spirits to receive from you. God, we rebuke any other spirit that would rob us from living in life and life in abundance, God. And we ask that you close the mouth of the devourer, God, and that you would rain blessing and favor and grace over every life in this room, over every family, over every marriage, God, over every idle word for those that have felt stuck, for those that have felt alone, God, for those that are going through difficult situations, God, we ask even now, would you shift, would you ordain, would you establish for those that have felt like they haven't heard your voice in some time, God, would you open up their ears to hear, open up their spirits to understand. prophesy that the spirit of lack would be done. Let hope arise. 
God, I bless every person here. God, I ask for the grace of God to be upon them. God, even in this season that's so busy, may we make time and make space for the table. God, I pray even as we make time and make space, would you meet us there? Would there be a sense of your presence and your affirmation in all that we do? We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen. Amen. Hey, listen.